in order to be successful at doing inbound marketing, you need to be spending at least 14 to 15 hours a week. Now this includes your content strategy, your content generation, your execution, and all things HubSpot, the technical side of things. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz Podcast, your weekly jolt of all things digital and inbound marketing. Brought to you by redpandas.com.au. Now for your host and co-founder of Red Pandas, Moby Sadiq. Welcome, welcome to Inbound Buzz. I'm your host, Moby Sadiq, wishing you very well for episode number 58. Now, today's episode is an interview week, and it's a very special episode, not only because of our guest, the very talented and experienced Varun Bindaka, channel consultant at HubSpot, but also because he's such a great guy and a good friend of mine, so we had a lot of fun with the interview. It was also a lot of fun because this was our very first episode of Inbound Buzz that we actually recorded live, and we recorded this one uh, via Facebook Live at HubSpot Sydney, or more affectionately known as SidSpot. So if you want to watch the recording instead, you can check out our Facebook page, Red Pandas Digital, um, or check out the show notes, redpandas.com.au forward slash EP58, and you'll find a Facebook Live embed and the rest of the show notes as always, of course. Okay, let's get straight into it and learn a thing or two from Varun Bandaka. My guest today is Varun Bandaka, one of ANZ's first channel consultants. Varun, or V, deals with successful agencies on a day-to-day basis. So that means he has the pulse on all things HubSpot and inbound marketing. He's also one of the nicest guys that I know and that is only equated and matched by his expertise. V, thank you so much for finally coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Moby. Better late than never. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> v, why don't you start by telling everybody a little bit about what you do and your role at HubSpot? So, um, I'm a channel consultant here at HubSpot, and what that means is I work with uh, partner agencies and help them do better inbound marketing for themselves and also help them build out a service delivery network so they can deliver inbound marketing for their clients. Fantastic. So you guys have been in Australia for a couple of years now. When you guys first came, there was a bit of a buzz, but it really feels, in, even in the last couple of months, there you guys have exploded. You know, There's a lot more buzz in the industry, a lot more people, I feel, are starting to talk about inbound marketing and HubSpot. What has changed in the last 12 months in Australia, and particularly in the last couple of months? Have you noticed any, any change in, in the market? Yeah, sure. I think to start off with like Australia and New Zealand, um, just in terms of adoption are a bit behind compared to like the States and EMEA, right? But it, this is just the natural evolution, I guess, that we're getting to that stage where the efforts that we've been putting in from a marketing and education perspective are finally picking up steam. Um, and I think our marketing team is doing a phenomenal job to raise awareness around inbound marketing as a concept and around HubSpot as a brand. And at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're quite synonymous, you know, inbound marketing, HubSpot. Without inbound marketing, there wouldn't be HubSpot. So I think that's the reason why, like now we're looking, you know, we're seeing a lot of people really recognize those terms, inbound marketing, recognize our brand HubSpot. Yeah, fantastic. So you deal with agencies on a day-to-day, right? Successful agencies in Australia and obviously NZ. So you, in turn, get to see a lot of what they do with their clients and the relationships. So tell me, what are the characteristics of a great agency agency slash client relationship? Sure. Um, look, if I was to boil it down to one thing, it would be you know transparency. I'd say agencies that are really transparent with their customers tend uh, you know tend to have longer relationships, more profitable relationships. 
because it's just like any other relationship, right? Like if you are transparent enough with your partner or whoever the other person is, you are comfortable enough in saying, you know, discussing what's working, what doesn't work and what needs to be done to fix it. So, you know, at the end of the day, if we're talking, you know, how to increase ROI or how to reduce costs, if we're not transparent about what isn't working, we can't really get down to the root cause and find a solution for it. So I find with a lot of agencies that have had really successful long-term profitable relationships, they have a really transparent and open line of communication with their customers. And, you know, incidental from all of that comes, you know, a great strategy, great execution, great reporting and so on. So that's a litmus test. If you can't have those conversations, if they feel uneasy, either side, client yeah. or agency, then something may be amiss. Absolutely. I think all of that stems from a bit of transparency. And, uh, you know, if you're transparent enough, you, you, you'll feel confident in laying out, you know, realistic goals and expectations as well. But it all starts at the transparency level. Sure, sure. V, so you see a lot of agencies and clients, and for a lot of people, it is, is HubSpot's still quite new. The whole uh, idea about marketing automation is still quite new. So tell me, how long is it from the time someone, you know, maybe maybe sort of sometimes even reluctantly signs on mm-hmm. to when they say, oh man, V, this is firing now, the client's amazing, they're happy. Um, how long is that point? See, that can happen, you know, that light bulb moment can happen one week in, six months, nine months, you know, it, it depends on, you know, the complexity of that relationship with the client, right? Now, with a couple of people, like you mentioned, who, who are still very new to marketing automation or even having a structure to their digital marketing efforts, the buyer persona discussion is when, you know, things change dynamically for them. It's like, oh, wow, wait, so you're saying I have to semi-fictionalize my target audience and break down their journey so I can map out my content for their stages. That itself is like the moment that takes their breath away. And I've had multiple conversations with agencies who've done that buyer persona workshop with their clients. And from week one, they're super excited. And then when you roll out the content strategy using HubSpot, you see the automation, you see the analytics coming through now with SalesPro, um, you see when someone revisits your website, all of that is incidental to this, you know, brilliant strategy that you put together. But that wow moment that happened with the buyer personas trickles down uh, to all the analytics and the, you know, the wonderful stuff that they see within the software. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. One one of the things I because you know HubSpot isn't the only provider out yeah. there. You know, it does marketing automation. It's been around for a while. But one of the things I love about HubSpot and why we're such advocates of it, it it's just really easy. It's like, it's akin to zero for accounting, you know, yeah. for marketing automation. You guys just make it really easy to work. But notwithstanding that, albeit probably the percentage is lower, they there are clients out there, there are people out there, whether they're on HubSpot or whatever, their marketing automation suite is a glorified address book. Yep. You said time and time again, you know what I mean? It's like, we need to make this thing work. It's like, well, what happened from the time you signed on to what's happened? So with HubSpot, or maybe maybe any platform, how does one avoid, you spoke about the good side, but how does one avoid turning HubSpot into a glorified address book? Yeah, sure. Look, I think a lot of it comes down to where you start. Um, if the onboarding process is broken, things will never get implemented. Whereas if the onboarding process is really solid, detailed and it's matching you know you basically tie in the onboarding process with the primary goals of the business what you do is you just roll it out you implement it and then with automation the beauty is once you set it up it does the work for you 
you don't have to go back and revisit it unless you you know you're kind of tweaking your strategy in any way but that onboarding process in my opinion is extremely an extremely crucial time because that was going to determine you know if it's going to be a glorified address book or if it's actually going to do the heavy you know marketing work for you yeah sure do you think it's a velocity thing like do you think it's very very important I can't think of any other other analogy, but apart from the gym, right? Like if you yep. if you start with the gym and you're not if you don't build up a habit in the start and you use that initial excitement, yep. it actually gets a lot harder. It's almost like working out. The older we get, the yep. harder it is to get into stuff. I, I'll agree with that one hundred percent, right? Like you need to capitalize on the momentum that you have and that energy that you have when you first come on board, and just really get into it. Your onboarding consultant, whether that be me, whether that be an implementation specialist on the direct side, they're like if you're using the gym analogy, I'll use mine as well. They're like your personal trainer. They're gonna sit down with you, discuss your goals, where you want to be, and they lay out a program. You know, we lay out a program for you. Now, we'll be there probably once a week. Make sure you come into the gym, and we'll show you to correct your form. We'll check in to see, you know, if you're following the right diet or not. But if you don't go do the homework, and if you're not doing a lot of the heavy lifting on your own. It's pretty much becomes like a gym membership where you're paying something but you never really go. You're paying the personal trainer but you don't really follow the plan. Yeah. Six months down the line, you're like, I'm still fat. I'm, you know, where are my muscles? You know, what happened to my goal of being, you know, like having a six pack? It's literally the equivalent. If you're not doing the grunt work, you know, we're always quite transparent. In order to be successful at doing inbound marketing, you need to be spending at least 14 to 15 hours a week. Now, this includes your content strategy your content generation, your execution, and all things HubSpot, the technical side of things. If you are taking any shortcuts, you'll see that in your lack of results. Yeah, right. And I um, uh, I, I'll agree with that because I was on client side. I have been on client side myself working with uh, an implementation specialist. Yeah. And it's cool because business as usual, BAU stuff, you get quite busy. And when you know the personal trainer is going to ask you, did you follow your meal plan? You, you kind of, even in the last couple of days, you, you ramp it up a bit. So yeah, yeah I, I agree. It's a great push that we all need sometimes. Yeah, and I think this kind of just comes back to what I said earlier about agency-client relationship or even just you know vendor and subscriber relationship, right? If that transparency is there, I can just be like, hey, Moby, you haven't shown up to our calls in three weeks. You know, We discussed that you were going to build out your lead nurturing, you haven't even touched it. You know, I understand you're busy, but if we don't do this, A, B, and C, we're not going to meet our goals. You know, it, it kind of yeah, all yeah. ties into it in the start. You, and yeah, you, you have to. And start. I think that's what we do pretty well here at HubSpot is I think people are encouraged to hold each other accountable, whether that be the customer as well. Because at the end of the day, we're all really bought into your success. You know, if we're spending all of that time because we're very passionate about, you know, driving success, whether it be agencies or in customers. And a part of that, you know, to ensure success, we have to hold, you know, draw the mm. line, hold people accountable. Cool. I want to talk to you about personas and not sure. not the whole, oh, what is a persona? And, you know, marketing, Mary, I want to go a little bit deeper than sure. that. I think, and a lot of the, especially if they're regular listeners of the show, will know what personas are. Um, but the issue that I've found is everyone's just been flogging it. Right, he's a he's a template. He's a and even your tools, your tools aren't there to do all the work. We had this conversation before. Yeah. You still have to put in the work. So the what I find quite a lot dealing with clients, I'm not sure what you find, is often people have the tendency to take shortcuts with their personas. Right, like just get in a room and just you know we're a marketing team and let's come up with our personas. Mm. 
How, what is the litmus test? What is the sense check to ensure that us as marketers, as agencies, whatever, we don't take shortcuts with our personas? And, and why is that important? Yeah, look, that's actually a really valid point. For some reason, um, over the past couple of months, I've been having a lot more buyer persona intensive question, you know, discussions or questions, sorry, with a lot of different people, tenured customers, you know, tenured agencies. And I find that, like you mentioned, probably not, no one really took a shortcut but they just laid out the demographics and a bit of psychographics made up a story and they jumped on. Mm. If you don't have, you know, like some questions that I ask is, do you know your buyer persona's watering holes? Do you know where to find them? Do you, you know, can you approximate their behavior on social media? You know, do you know what sort of groups that they belong to on LinkedIn? Do you know what their awareness consideration decision stage looks like? Do you know the kind of questions that they're asking themselves? you know the kind of questions that you're that they're asking their peers mm. and not just at the end too yeah, yeah not just at the end like how do they get there mm. it's not just like hey what agency would you recommend you know it's like getting you know that question is a consequence of them asking another question at the start like how do i increase the number of leads to my website right and if you don't have the answers to all of those questions for your persona you've taken a shortcut yeah you haven't spent enough time see look as as you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a stickler for buyer personas. You can, you know, at the end of the day, end up spending 10 to 12 hours on one persona. But if you do that, the rest of your year, the rest of your content strategy, you know, all the ideas that come, you know, you won't have to spend a lot of time sitting and scratching your head thinking about what I should be writing and how I should go about doing it. Because mm. you've already answered your question while doing your initial research. Yeah, nicely cool. I like that. So whether you're on HubSpot or not, um, and if you're not, that's, that's so totally cool. But one thing people can't deny is, um, and I always say this to people, like if you, one of the great things about working with HubSpot, you're like, wow, you know, I can apply those strategies to my business. Yeah. Like literally what you guys are doing, like you're talking about, uh, an example I always give is a while ago now, you guys had an article on uh, etiquette as a, at a business lunch or a business dinner or something. And then you might think, yeah, but why are they wasting their time? But they're not. They know their marketing personas get invited to these things. They know as people, they ask themselves, okay, what am I supposed to do? Like, do I start with the knife and fork on the outside or inside or whatever? So yeah. the whole point, to your point, okay. about buyers, uh, buyer journeys and understanding who they are. Can, um, I, can I just touch on that yeah, just a little bit? Fun fact, one of our most popular blog posts recently was, I think, the, the creative out-of-office responses that we published before Christmas. You're right. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, like that's us in our marketing team having such a deep understanding of a buyer persona because Christmas, everyone's going to go away. We're all working in some way, shape or form in digital marketing or digital media. And everyone is thinking about putting out and, you know, an out of office. And sometimes people want to get creative with it and people look for inspiration online. And if we can still engage with them, you know, like all content doesn't have to be educational. Some need to be engaging because that helps build, you know, relationship and mm. trust with brands. And I think that blog post was a brilliant example of us like really having a good understanding of buyer personas. I looked at that and I smiled and I'm like, kudos, HubSpot, kudos. Yeah, it works, it yeah. works. And one of the other things you guys do, so on that, the other thing you guys do quite well is co-partnering. So you guys, uh, this was a while ago now, but you partnered with Canva. Mm. Um, and you partner all the time, you know, for eBooks or resources, but then you recently partnered with Shutterstock as well. Mm. It was another manifestation of co-partnering strategy. I think that's quite underrated. I, I really do. So 
can you tell me why someone should consider co-partnering and how they could implement that with their brand? Like, wh- what do they look for when they're looking to co-partner? Yeah, sure. Um, I think what you know where co-partnering comes from is let's focus on our domain expertise, and if we need to do something new, let's sit down and figure out if we should allocate resources to that, or let's partner up with someone who specializes in doing so. When we put together the state of inbound APAC, we partnered with SurveyMonkey, mm. right? They, I mean, those guys are the, the, the tool if you want to do market research, right? So should we go about sitting and trying to figure it out ourselves, or should we just get someone who's a domain expert in doing so? And then at the end of the day, both of us win. We get the stats that we're looking for, you know, and uh, they too get to do some marketing and put their, you know, their name out there by saying, hey, we're experts at doing marketing research. And both of us get to focus on our domain expertise. I feel like and that's my personal take on it. But I feel if you are looking to partner with someone, partner with someone who complements your strength. You know, for any businesses, if you are looking to do that, you know, figure out how you can innovate. And if you can innovate and reach out to a new segment of an audience, figure out who you can partner with to get there. I think that's something people like businesses, all businesses should be looking into mm. at some, so point, some how, point. How far do you go? Because obviously the... The type of people who are looking at SurveyMonkey, you know, there's an overlap, right? This is their audience. Obviously, they can't see it on the podcast, but Facebook Live, you can see it. (laughs) This is their audience and there's a Venn diagram. There's an overlap where your personas are there. How far do you go when you're looking for a brand who has access to your persona? Um, Or does it have to be, like, it has to be really, really defined? Yeah. Look, I don't think there's a silver bullet to that question. Um, Different situations can call for really unique partnerships. You know, like Ferrari partnering up with a watchmaker. Technically, they're two different industries altogether. But what ties them together? Design. The point is they've, they've found a they've, they've found yeah, They've yeah. found that strong point being designed. And they're like, hey, Mr. Watchmaker, let's partner together where you can use our colors, our branding, and our style. And, you know, we'll sell Ferrari style watches. Yeah. Like if if, mm. if I was there, I'm just be like you know initially if someone would present that to me, I wouldn't really see it. But now that is something that we're used to. But like you mentioned with Survey Monkey and HubSpot, it's quite closer, right? But in mm. that marketing sort of a space, whereas with Ferrari and a watchmaker, they're not. But they somehow found that unique niche. But you know, I love that example. I'm, I'm glad you you answered it that way because it's not just looking for persona overlap, which is where I was coming from. Yeah. Um, you're talking about finding another brand that has the same brand association. Yep. Or the same values as you yeah. do. So even if you're, and I, I, if I had a dollar for every time someone said to me, uh, we're a startup, we don't have any competitors. Well, you do. You're there because you're solving a problem, yeah. right? Otherwise, you wouldn't oh. be there. So what are you trying to associate with? Fantastic. Yeah. I like that. Um, I've been meaning to ask someone from HubSpot about this because obviously I'm in the industry. I see platforms and all I'll the time. And I'm a guinea pig. Yeah, you're, you're my <laughs> guinea pig. So let's see how this goes. You know, obviously, you know, you and I are pretty open about these yeah. sort of things. Um, but they say imitation is the best form of flattery, yeah. right? And since HubSpot has kind of gone out there and given the game plan for how to have a marketing automation software that like dummies can use, yeah. right? There've been a lot of a lot of companies who sort of maybe do one thing like pop-ups or whatever, kind mm. of g- going vertically up stream or yeah. downstream and there's been a lot of uh, imitators out there yeah. are you guys worried about that and do you guys see this as a threat look I'm, I'm not sitting at the the sea level to get you know to be you know to answer that question say yes or no but I'll give you my opinion on things right there's always going to be competition if you're doing something really well people are going to see it people are going to want that share of the pie and in some cases people are going to find 
certain things that you know probably we're not doing and they will innovate and create that solution and i i'm a big fan of innovation you know if you can find a gap in the market and if you can put something together to solve for it you know come up with it and i think the thing about hubspot you need to remember we've got open apis right going back to partnership we partner with so many different brands um you know if you're talking about lightbox we, we do that you know with with um Sumomi. and yeah, if sure. they decide they can if they want to go up you know that vertical but at the end of the day we've got a lot of things that make hubspot really unique and i think that's what i'm here to focus on is just focus on what makes us strong figure out how we can make ourselves stronger and at the end of the day you know i've I've been reading the book. I just finished, you know, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And he talks about building brand loyalty. And if you have that brand loyalty and if you if you have that why figured out, regardless of whether someone comes in with a, you know, like a lower price product or if even if that lower price product is better, mm. people will stay with you because they have that affiliation and that loyalty. And I think that's where HubSpot's at. And I think that's why even I you know, feel quite proud working for a company like HubSpot because we've got a loyal fan base you've got loyal employees and we people who believe in the why behind hubspot yeah and you're not just uh, i can't remember who it was damesh uh, or brian one of the one of one of the two co-founders was speaking about we're a SaaS company but we're not a SaaS company yeah. software as a solution like like you said the strengths that you guys focus on you guys focus on uh, working with partners and actually helping people through the journey and in the start i think you guys were criticized for the amount of time and the resources it takes but it, it pays off and you aren't distracted yeah. by that so i like that um so we had katie burke on the show a while ago now amazing person really legend. inspirational absolutely legend she's the vp of culture and experience yep. no she's now uh, the head of people ops there we go yeah there we go very well deserved um and she spoke a lot about culture and we spoke about culture as a strategic advantage so that was someone who he was speaking about it from obviously the top, like that's her, that's her mandate. Yeah. And you walk into this place and you feel it, like it's palpable. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to take the camera through, but it wasn't um, feasible. But my question to you is, as someone like you know, in it, how does culture affect your ability to perform? It's a really good question. You um, see it day in, day out, you're with your colleagues, you know, not from the strategy side, how does it, how does it affect you? Look, this is this is my view on it, right? I think you know this. You know me well enough that if I don't like something, I'll say it as is. People really need to believe and people need to be bought in to what they're doing in order for them to perform really well. Now, I feel like whether that be at HubSpot or any other place, if I don't believe in what what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, I wouldn't perform really well. And kind of fostering that culture where everyone is, everyone kind of believes in that. You know, they, they understand why, they are, why they're there, why they're coming into the office every day, why they're doing the job that they're doing. If we kind of foster that culture, that will lead to a company being really successful because everyone's going to work at, you know, their peak efficiency. And then on the other hand, you've got, you know, culture as like a non-professional sort of a description is just like-minded people working together and having fun doing it. Right. And I think putting like a structure together that drives both fun and professionalism is a, it's a really hard thing to do. And you've, you've known HubSpot longer than I've been working here. And the fact that, you know, we've that the overflow of the culture and the happiness is, you know, trickled over to you where you've become a fan. And, you know, you're such a massive advocate for HubSpot. 
is like a testament that clearly the guys you know who are there putting that together they've figured it out i think i'm not there to say like you know i don't know how they do it but hubspot does it really well where you can literally speak to anyone in the office we're all excited to come to work and you know whether that be the training product and the support team you know like just the internal support that we get from people that all kind of contributes towards it i don't know if i've, I've answered your question but just giving you my opinion yeah, on the matter yeah as, as someone on the sidelines i like everyone has a common purpose yeah. like you know whether you're speaking to uh not that i speak to anyone in the council but whether you're speaking to someone in the council various levels yeah. it, it, it's it feels the same yeah and if I, I feel that you guys all have the same vision and the same objective in mind when it comes to the customer and if that's being honest and not being precious about what someone yeah. says then then so be it you know everyone's yeah. accountable i like that so i don't want to impart any bias in your answer i'm curious to see honestly talking about transparency mm-hmm. do you in your dealings with marketing managers and agencies do you think there is a skills gap when it comes to marketing and or digital marketing look i think you know i can't just give a blanket answer to that question because there's a lot of people out there who i speak to on a daily basis far more skilled than i am you know that's what i love about working in the partner program is you get to work with some brilliant minds people who've you know built a company from nothing you know they were working in their bedroom and now they're running like a 25 person business it's really inspiring is there a gap there's always going to be a gap you know and i think that's that's a good thing because that creates an opportunity for people to go in and fill that gap. As a marketer, one thing I personally feel marketers can and should be doing better is focusing on dollar, you know, ROI. I don't I still don't think that's happening enough, and that's why, you know, there's this age-old saying that if there's a budget cut, marketing is the first one to suffer because traditionally, marketing has always been, you know, for the lack of a better word, a bit fluffy, mm. right? engagement and you know awareness how are we measuring those things and advance and all the yeah, coloring yeah. in and all that yeah, all those exactly. jokes those, and, yeah. and how are we tying it back to how the company is growing and i think that's one thing that i learned from you know learning about inbound marketing while while at well at uni actually i was doing my masters in marketing international business and i came across inbound marketing and i'm like this is how digital marketing should be done because I was at that point an intern at the Sydney Opera House, right? And I was seeing like, wow, you know, there's a lot of cool things in there. But then I'm taking the learnings from there and taking learnings from inbound marketing and I'm and I'm figuring out cuz I've I like having like a business brain, you know, like I focus a lot on that. I try and educate myself a lot around how to like, you know, be a businessman and not just a marketer. Now, if you are a great marketer, you can really add to the bottom you know bottom line of a business by generating good qualified leads and helping your sales team close it and i do think that marketers should definitely be a little bit more critical about how they approach what they do mm. and we should definitely be looking at cool you know i'm spending all of this time and energy what's the return that's going to come from it how do i make myself invaluable to the growth of a company awesome nicely put so final question, I know you're, uh, uh, you like educating yourself and you're an avid reader and that book you referenced, Simon Snake's Why, yeah. uh, we'll link that in the show notes. Um, I want to ask you, how do you keep up to date and not only on the educational side, but maybe even on the motivational side. Yeah. So how do you personally keep up to date? Um, yeah, look, that's, uh, I've been kind of embarking on a journey myself this year to just 
because I regardless you know I think working at a company like HubSpot speaking to people like you on the daily basis you can't really get complacent or you can't like get to a point where you lack motivation because you're constantly speaking to people who inspire you whether that be colleagues customers you know peers in other offices um, and even the trickle down that comes from us partnering with so many different organizations but if you are very serious about you know self improvement reading like you know reading and absorbing information whether that be podcasts you know reading blogs reading books i think that that's never going to go away i've really i've got back into it for like 2 years i didn't really read a book i got back into it this year and i can already see a shift in my mindset shift in my behavior and books specifically right yeah books specifically there's something magnetic about books can i tell you a, a little bit of a hack i've downloaded this app called blinkist if people don't know about that yet which has like a massive repository of non-fiction books like you know a, a lot of self-improvement how to deal with people how to stay motivated and it condenses books into you know few blinks so you can essentially read you know the 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 essence of the book or the main takeaways of a book in 15 minutes in 15 minutes and if you're like oh that book's really great you know it, it takes you to amazon and you can buy the book i've gotten so many ideas from just reading all of these blinks on that app that i'm like okay you know what it's it make a note of it and just start implementing it and another thing is always surround yourself with people who are smarter than you and i think that's an advice that was given to me a really long time ago never be the smartest person in the room you know if you are you're in the wrong room and i really try my best to not be the smartest person in the room you know it's cuz you can't really learn too much by being in that situation you can always learn a lot more by being not not mm, the smartest person in the room but yeah, yeah, yeah by being challenged and yeah you just yeah flipboard's another great app you know to stay on top of news and you can literally curate the topics that you want to stay on top of you know i've got my tech i've got my sports i've got my business news in there so you can literally just jump in and out but mm. yeah just reading so you've got no excuse you know even if you don't read because i think blinkers you can do audio as well you can so do yeah no you can actually listen yeah you can listen into uh, books on on those things but yeah it's just one of those things and you just have to constantly just question yourself never get complacent just like really questioning everything that you do you know critically analyzing your behavior critically analyzing why we're doing it how we're doing it and what we can do to do it better awesome awesome Mr. Varun, V, thank you so much for your time. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you um, for having me. Um, yeah, we've been trying to make this happen for what, like a few months now. Yeah, we even Since got your mentor on before we got you. So <laughs> I'm glad, and um, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Um, thank you. Your passion and and um, your knowledge is very infectious. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on board. Thanks for listening to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next time for another Inbound Buzz hit.